you're listening to the Soil Talk podcast presented by Central Valley Ag. This is Keith Byerly, Precision Ag Manager at CVA, and I'm joined by Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead at CVA. on Soil Talk, we're going to begin our conversation about the nutrients and classifying them in order of importance and then dive into nitrogen. So Tim, let's start with how we categorize the importance of the nutrients when we look at the soil test and if that importance, that categorization there necessarily lines up with the budget that we put out there in the field and how we classify them as important in the field. Yep. Depends a little bit, Keith, on the crop I'm dealing with, but if I'm dealing with a grass and I'll just use corn kind of as as my example, I always start with nitrogen with any grasses. They've got such a huge nitrogen need. It's probably the most likely nutrient to affect yield negatively if you're not getting it out there. It's also the one that you really want to focus on, especially late in the season as you're trying to push yield a little bit. So nitrogen's king in corn. After that, it's pretty much the same for most crops. I really look hard at pH because if I don't get pH right, I lose some of the opportunity I get to get my uh, soil biology really functioning well and and doing its job of cycling nutrients and keeping them available for the crop. After pH, I look hard at phosphorus and potassium. Usually in a corn bean rotation, sulfur is probably going to come up next for me, then maybe zinc. After that, I look kind of hard at those... uh, those different cations and that base saturation balance a little bit, which is a little different than some people. Then after the base saturation, I'll look at those other micronutrients. So I'll move on down to things like boron, manganese, copper, iron. Um, I'll look at soil salinity. And of course, if that one's high, that can really uh, hit everything else pretty hard. Sodium's the same kind of as soil salinity. So that's pretty well my priority list, I'd say. So I, I don't know as I necessarily agree up and down the list there. While nitrogen is certainly important in our budgeting process and it's important to understand, I think there's a real disconnect between necessarily what we do when testing it and looking at the values as we prioritize the soil test part of that and what we look at in real world. Usually our nitrogen budget is determined by several things outside of the arena of that soil test. So If I'm talking about soil tests, I'm probably going to be a little bit different. I'm going to start there with the organic matter and the cation exchange capacity and really get a deeper understanding of what that soil is and what I've got to work with there. From there, then I'm going to move into the phosphorus and the potassiums and the sulfurs and look at those pieces and then down into zinc. And then I'm going to go off the rails a little bit like you and I'm going to jump over to that base saturation, especially the base saturation of my potassium. I think there's a lot of things when we get to potassium here in a few weeks, we're going to look at our thoughts being quite a bit outside of what the normal things that we learned 20, 30, 40 years ago about potassium are. But once we move outside of that potassium, then we're looking at the borons and the manganeses and the micros on down the on down the line there. So why why do you think it is that that we start with nitrogen as our first piece of the puzzle. We start with nitrogen as the most expensive single input we put into the crop, but then we turn right around and we ignore it to a large part when we look at soil tests. 
Yeah, that's a good point, Keith. So the soil test, because nitrogen is such a mobile nutrient, which in, when it's in that nitrate form, the soil test really doesn't bring a lot of additional information that helps you with nitrogen management. It'll give you organic matter. That helps a little bit. If you're testing for nitrates, it'll give you nitrates. But especially when you're doing a soil test in oh, October or November, um, there's usually a lot of not a lot of nitrates left over. If you're uh, corn following corn and, and have a rough year, sometimes there'll be a little bit more carryover nitrogen. But if you're in states with a lot of rainfall, I really uh, hesitate to count that nitrogen much towards my next crop anyway. So the soil test itself is not a great piece uh, for that nitrogen puzzle. Uh, and when we look at uh, trying to find other measurements for nitrogen, it gets tough. It really does. So often throughout the course of the growing season, or maybe maybe even more specifically, the non-growing season there, timing is so critical to having any success with the tests that we take on nitrogen. I mean, if you're off just a little bit, you're one rain shower too late, or whatever it is out there, that test can be completely worthless in driving decisions down the road and how we plug those test values into our decision-making process. So we look at testing nitrogen and, and we talk about the nitrate test as an after season component of this. And, and you've got the deeps and the shallows and all of those pieces that come together. But what about all the other things that we do? We've got stock nitrates, we've got mineralization, We've got this laundry list of different nitrogen tests that we can potentially look at out there. How, how do we even begin to go about prioritizing the value of any of those or, or maybe even specifically with agriculture being such a time sensitive occupation, how do we even begin to guess that we're right on our timing when we do take the, the right test at the wrong time? Yeah, I would almost always assume that you're wrong with nitrogen tests. They're just so darn difficult. But one of the challenges is we measure nitrate, and that's just one piece of that nitrogen puzzle. You almost have to have some good knowledge of that nitrogen cycle and all the different forms nitrogen could be in as you start thinking it through. So when we look at nitrogen in our soil environment, 95, 99% of it is going to be in an organic form. And we don't normally measure that. We measure organic matter, but we don't measure organic nitrogen. And there's tremendous amounts of organic nitrogen in the soil. Um, a book value maybe for organic nitrogen would be for every percent of organic matter. There's about a thousand pounds of organic nitrogen, but it varies a lot. I've, I've done that test myself on our own farm and I had variation that was tenfold that. I had 3% organic matter that would easily have, oh, 15,000 pounds of organic nitrogen in it. So the, that variation that we don't really account for well in our standard nitrogen tests makes it a big challenge. As you move to things like you talked about the stock nitrate test, um, it's another piece of the puzzle. You know, it's an end of the year autopsy. How did I do? Did I run out? And if I did run out, why? And then you got to look back at your weather over the year. So there's a lot of challenges in nitrogen and it goes really back to that nitrogen cycle. You've got nitrogen in the atmosphere. You've got nitrogen um, in organic matter. You've got nitrogen in stover that's laying on top of the soil. You've got it nitrogen in that uh, live biology in the soil that's cycling and dying off and providing mineralized nitrogen. Of course, you got nitrogen going up into the crop. And, and really getting it into the crop is key. 
But when we throw it down on as fertilizer, it's got to go through usually some cycles in there before it's going to be ready for the crop. Uh, number one would be converting into ammonia and then converting into nitrate. And in the meantime, uh, some microbe may take it up and now it's gone into an organic cycle. So it's a challenge. So when we start with so much organic nitrogen out there in the in the field, I think probably when most people understand that, their first question is, how do I convert that? Why, why do we have to put on so much commercial nitrogen out there when we have organic nitrogen in the, in the system? What can we, is there anything we can do to pull that out? I think every snake oil sold since the history of agriculture started back in the Bible used some kind of uh, magic to pull nutrients out of the soil organic matter that were just there. And all you needed to do was get them for this $5 an acre that I'm going to charge you for. So that has been out there as kind of the magic bullet or magic bean forever. And it is possible to influence the, the nitrogen or the nutrient cycle, but it's difficult. And it's not the same every year because so much of it depends on weather, which varies every year. Which goes back to where I kind of alluded to before on the timing of this, especially on the nitrates on the back side of this. How do we even begin to trust a soil nitrate test as part of our decision making process for the next crop? When we've got the stover, we've got cover crops, we've got all of these other things going on out there. And we might have had zero inches of rain since the crop came off, or we might have had seven inches of rain since the crop came off. I know that's the thought process behind that is taking a deeper sample, you know, zero to 24, zero to 36. There's different mandates depending on what state you're in, what NRD district you're in, so on and so forth. But is that even close to enough to compensate for the, the flexibility of our soil? Yeah, and I, and I would say it's a challenge. It gives you a number that you can look. If you're a lot higher than you normally are, you probably should take a little additional credit. If you're a lot lower than you normally are, well, you want to be real careful on taking credits. But again, I think it depends a lot where you're at, what your annual rainfall looks like, and how close you are taking that sample to when the crop's actually going to need the nitrogen. My personal experience uh, doing a lot of nitrate testing in uh, corn especially was I, I would use that uh, fall number with a, a big grain of salt on how much of that credit I really used. And then as I moved closer or further into the growing season, closer up to that maximum uptake time, you know, that V8 to R2 stages for corn, I'd, I'd still take samples like the pre-side dress nitrate test. But as the crop takes up more and as the soil biology gets more aggressive and is pulling up more nitrogen itself and taking it out of that nitrate nitrate form and moving it into organic forms, the test really lose, loses its validity. So after about V6 in corn, I found that pre-side dress nitrate test just about worthless. So I think you alluded to another important part of this nitrogen conversation, and that's the timing. Traditionally in agriculture, we front load this crop with the nitrogen that's going out there. We will talk about it later about the timing factor, but we've got all of this nitrogen that goes on early and then we have to wait until sometime in the middle of June before the big uptake of it starts. So then again, how do we even begin to account for what form it's in during that time frame, the weather that we've had since it's been applied, when the frost went out of the ground, all of these different factors you kind of start to to step back from this and say, okay, why do I need to do all these tests when really it seems like every year 
we're playing a game of darts with our nitrogen decisions and you're going to throw the darts at the board and decide between zero and 60 pounds of additional nitrogen to, to get your plan compensated for this. So are we better off starting low and adding as we go through the season and looking at the complexity of the system and just forgetting about trying to guess right the first time and adapting as we go? Or are we better off adapt? Are we better off loading it up and, and just playing the waiting game until the corn starts to turn yellow and somebody's yelling at us. We've <laughs> joked about that for years. Yeah, that's a fact. There's there's nothing worse than uh, you making a nitrogen recommendation and driving by that field and seeing the corn turning kind of an off green to yellow. And then the grow, you know that grower is going to be calling you within the next 20 minutes. Your phone's going to be ringing. I think you hit the nail on the head, Keith, with the idea of the more we can move some of that nitrogen into the growing season so it's less likely to be lost and it's timed more to match when the crop needs it, whether that's through physical application or some kind of an inhibitor to, to slow that cycling of the nitrogen. All of those things are things we need to play with, but, but the bottom line is the tests that you can do, whether it's a soil test, a leaf tish, tissue test, Whatever it is, those are pieces of the puzzle and your experience and your knowledge of the nitrogen cycle are huge pieces that probably uh, override everything on the laboratory tests. And then on top of that, it's your intimate knowledge of whatever the dirt of that field is. Making that, taking all of that science and applying it to the soil texture, the soil color, the soil organic matter that you've got there and pulling that information together to try to refine this. So... One of the things that I think is way too overlooked throughout agriculture, um, you spend weeks on it when you're in college trying to understand the nitrogen cycle, and we do a very poor job uh, of really understanding its intricacies. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that we have, a, I think there's a big part of the growers out there in the U.S., that have seen the nitrogen cycle up in a presentation, seen it in periodicals or whatever it is, multiple times throughout the course of, of their careers, but still don't really understand all the different nuances of the nitrogen cycle and why we see stuff move to its various forms and, and why it may be available now or unavailable then, why it's safe to put it on at 55 degrees, but not 62 degrees and things like that. So without the without the benefit of visualization here and, and a whiteboard to draw it all out on and, and boring everybody to death, how can we add any degree of clarity to that in a few minutes that most of our growers make? If, if you could take one piece out of that that you think is misunderstood or, or unknown by people, what would that piece be? Well, I, I guess as I look through that, one of the key things would be if you call me with a soil sample that you pulled at Tassel and you want me to make a nitrogen recommendation off of it after I read the nitrates out of it or the ammonia out of it or the organic nitrogen out of it, you're just truly barking up the wrong tree. I've got nothing to base a recommendation off of there. So as you wait later, <clears throat> when we just don't have a good correlated and calibrated test, to make nitrogen recommendations off of, 
they don't work anymore. Now it's models are probably the best thing you could look at, maybe supplemented with a leaf tissue sample, but the soil sample just doesn't do you a lot of good at that point. If you've got a lot of nitrogen in that soil sample, that's probably valid. But if you've got very little nitrate or ammonia in that sample, that's normal. It's moved into an organic form and you've got to wait for that organic form to come back out available as mineralized to be available for that crop. So that's a key piece of the cycle I would talk about is just that move from fertilizer, which is mineral, to a fertilizer which is mobile in the soil like nitrate. So you've got ammonia going down in some form, maybe it's urea, maybe it's anhydrous ammonia, maybe it's UAN. It converts to nitrate. In between that conversion, it sticks to the soil pretty good so we don't lose it. Once it turns to nitrate, it tends to either leach or denitrify if the soil is saturated, or it's very available for the crop if the crop's growing well. But besides available to the crop, it's available to all the other things that live in the soil, and it's going to get converted to one organic form or the other or be lost. When you go test for it again later, like I said, at V8 or V10, and you don't see a lot of nitrate left, Maybe you lost it, but maybe it's just in the organic side and is going to come available later. You got to kind of take it on faith a little bit. So is there any one time of year or any one test or maybe or, or probably a combination of tests that you feel confident in, in utilizing to help make the nitrogen decisions as we go? I would say I absolutely start with the agronomist and the farmer's experience with that crop in that field. Then I would go with a combination of the pre-side dress nitrate test, which is taken at around V4 to V6 in corn. And that's a pretty good number that you can look at and say, I've definitely got enough. If you're showing a little short there, it gets to be a little questionable whether you're still going to get uh, the response to cover additional nitrogen. So I'm a little careful with that one. After that, it's a, it's a uh, leaf test in the season just to see how your, your crop is doing compared to that uh, crop on average at the same growth stage as, as the lab's norms are often related to. And then lastly, that stock nitrate test, which again is the autopsy to tell how you did at the end of the year. And then again, you reassess. So after that stock nitrate test, you decide how you might make some changes to your program going into next year. Or you realize your weather was unusual. So that's the reason for, say, the stock being low or high. So you don't make any changes to next year. Are any of those tests more valuable or less valuable than looking at sensor technology? in season, looking at chlorophyll, looking at NDVI, looking at, at color, are, are, are those sensors able to give us a better reading or complementary reading compared to laboratory testing? I would say complementary. Um, you know, anytime the crop turns yellow or you see visual symptoms like that inverted V on a uh, lower leaf, you know, not a senest leaf, but a lower leaf in the canopy, uh, which is that traditional um, nitrogen deficiency symptom in corn. Anytime you're seeing those things, it really stands out that you've got an issue and you need to go after it. But the chlorophyll meter, the, the slight differentiation you see in, in some of the imageries and other things like in NDVI, um, those are all pieces of the puzzle, just like the pre-side pre dress nitrate test or the leaf tissue test. I like more than anything, actually, the models. Some of the models will give you a little bit of will give you information going through the season and you can use these other pieces to 
um, help interpret the model a little bit. But all of it's, again, parts of the pieces of the puzzle. A good agronomist is a huge piece. So that that probably leaves you and I out, Keith. I'm sorry. Well, I was just thinking that same thing, because at the end of the day, I can do all of this stuff. I'm probably just as likely to trust my eyeballs on this thing as I am anything else and trust what I've written in my little notebook or on one note on my computer and and what I've had for precipitation so far this year and and how fast the corn grew during June and and the distance between those nodes and how it elongated looking at that information just as much as I am to trust any of these sensors any of these soil tests and and stuff like that Uh, we like flying by the seat of our pants and I think frankly when we talk about why nitrogen is such a complex thing testing for nitrogen pieces like that that we've covered today I think I tend to go back to seat of the pants for this part of the agronomy versus trusting those. Yep, they're great affirmations that my eyeballs are telling me the truth or or that I need to study more. But yeah, I absolutely agree. It's my my experience and my experience with that particular grower, frankly, probably overrides everything else. Everything else I take with a grain of salt. And in the end, I make a gut call on what I think this guy needs to do. And no matter what it is, it's wrong. No matter what it is, it's wrong because nitrogen is just tough to completely get a hold of. Absolutely. So let's wrap this up for today with this part of the discussion and look forward to next time when we get into really understanding the planning phase of nitrogen more than the testing phase of nitrogen. We're going to look at how that nitrogen calculation, that nitrogen equation comes together and what the individual pieces of that puzzle are and save that for our next, next time around. Yeah, we'll nail down some solid numbers. And instead of just talking theory, we'll talk about what we actually walked through a grower on and and nail down our recommendation, which again, we know that gets thrown up against weather and it's always a little bit of a, a rough guess. And then we adjust as we go. Thank you for joining us today. Stay in touch with us by following us on Twitter at ACS by CVA or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Central Valley Ag. If you would like to learn more about CVA, visit us at cvacoop.com and look for our Precision Focus blog series every Thursday. Until next time, this is Soil Talk presented by Central Valley Ag.